Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. I'm so glad to have you with us today for this episode. We've been like hitting it really hard on big topics lately. And I know that that's the theme of the show, Real Talk Big Topics. And it's been a real great journey going through some more serious but very necessary conversations. But today I am taking, we are taking a well-needed turn in the direction of health and wellness and a little levity. And I know you're going to love today's guest. She makes a product that I have fallen in love with, and I cannot wait to introduce her to you as well. Her name is Julie Wen. She is the uh, co-founder and an entrepreneur. The company is Methodology. They're a food delivery service that focuses on high-quality prepared meals made of whole, real foods delivered right to your door. And she is joining us from Saint-Tropez, which, Julie, let's just establish right off the bat, I'm insanely jealous of you right now. She, she's in this gorgeous this background. It's like, what time is it there? Is it like 6 o'clock at night? Exactly. It's 6 p.m. Uh, you're, you're living the life. What brings you to France? I just have to ask you that. <laughs> I use France as just like my home base because I'm studying European food right now. I design our menus for methodology. I've already like done a lot of travel in Asia. And right now I just want to bolster my knowledge of European cuisine. So I actually am based in Paris. And right now I'm traveling the south of France, kind of eating my way through like Provence and uh, the French Riviera. Dying dead. So what does this involve? Does it involve like, I know you're tasting your like food and meal tasting. Are you meeting with like vendors? Are you going to like chef school? That's like a layman's way of saying it. But are you like doing any education yourself in that way? Yeah, well, when I travel, it's a combination of things. I mean, mostly it's a lot of just trying food from a lot of the best restaurants for inspiration because I want to learn about ingredients I've never heard of before. I want to come across flavor combinations that I've never thought of before. So there's that. Sometimes I'll do food tours with the locals. Sometimes I'll do cooking classes with locals. It just it just depends on how much time I have. But, um, but a lot of it is just constantly eating out, which like it's very, it, which is, it's, it's, I mean, it's very fun for sure, but it's also like very hard to like stay healthy when you're eating out two, two to three meals a day, actually. Do you bring your little pen and just jot down things like talk to the chefs, the whole, the whole thing? I just, no, I put everything on my phone. I like take pictures of everything, like the menus, like notes on dishes, photos of all the dishes I've tasted. And some restaurants like stop me because they don't realize who I am, of course. And so they think it's so odd that because I always eat alone because like, I'm working, right? I'm not there to socialize with like any friends. So I, I go to restaurants alone and I order like at least four things off the menu. And so some restaurants will stop me and say like, no, that's too much food for one person. Like they, you know, because it looks ridiculous, um, but I'm trying to taste as many things as possible. So uh, oh, I'm so <laughs> doubly jealous ever that whole con and not only are you in France right now, you're eating out multiple times a day. I mean, you're, uh, this is a dream. And I, I will say, and I mentioned this on Instagram is sort of promoting this interview. Um, I'm a hard sell, Julie, when it comes to anything food related. And that's for multiple reasons. I'm not like big into, and this is not a knock, but I'm not big into calorie counting and deprivation and 
what I eat in a day. I feel like that dialogue has gotten a makes me a little nervous these days. So, and I'm, I'm Italian. We're, we're from an, a huge Italian American family where food is literally life. So I'm a harsh critic on like taste profiles and quantities. Like I've had meals before where I'm like, where's the rest of it? But methodology was really, um, was insanely good for me for multiple reasons. And I just have to sort of start things off by giving you a shout out because it makes sense now what you're doing and the research you're doing and how it shows through the food, because this to me was not a typical prepared, delivered meal service. Thank you. That means so much to me hearing that because like I'm a foodie, my co-founder is a foodie. So my co-founder, for example, when I was looking for a co-founder for this business, I immediately thought of him because prior to co-founding methodology with me, he traveled around the world for seven years, staging in the world's best kitchen. So he already knew more about food than anyone I knew. And so we are just lovers of fine dining in particular because of its attention to detail, because of their sourcing standards, their quality standards. So like, we really think of ourselves as artisans, my co-founder and I. And so our focus has always been on improving the quality of the service. And, and that's why we've been around eight years. And like, if you saw like our, you know, revenue growth numbers, they would not look impressive. But if you saw how much our meals have changed from year one to now, you'd be like, okay, I see what this team was focused on, right? Like, it's like they they care about quality. And, and so for us, it's a really about the craft and the artistry of healthy eating, uh, more than like, trying to start some unicorn. Like that was never the goal. It's just, we just have a passion for delicious food, which is why we hear from customers like you all the time. It's, it's a zero deprivation feeling because it's, it's really just high quality ingredients uh, prepared in like a very balanced way. So you're not getting meals that have like no protein, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's not mm -hmm. like bodybuilders either. It's just really high quality food. Yeah, it's really good. The two dishes that really stood out to me and I would never have thought you could send cod. Like, was it like the black cod, like across yeah. and it be, it tasted like the cod that I had at, um, what's that restaurant in New York? I can't remember. Anyway, I was like, holy crap, this is like really tasty in the way that it, I, I don't know. It's survived the whole way in the paella was my other, like insanely delicious favorite. Um, and, and you can tell that it's inspired like the flavor profile, for example, in the paella, it like, I don't know what was in there. It like had a little lift of something not sweet, but like a little, I was like, Oh, my mouth was like pleasantly surprised on that first bite. It was so good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Cause that was inspired by Stephen and I love, uh, San Sebastian the most of any eating city in the world. And so the paella is there incredible. And, and this is why like, I feel the need to travel because one of the things, if you work in the food industry, or maybe you know this, if you eat out a lot, like when I, before I had become nomadic and said, like, I need to expand my culinary knowledge. I was mostly just eating my way through where I live, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And after I had done enough of that, I realized like all the restaurant dishes started to taste and look the same to me across mm -hmm. restaurants. Cause all the chefs were just kind of learning from each other, eating each other's foods. And I was like, okay, I'm not like learning anymore. I'm not like feeling stretched mm -hmm. like creatively. Uh, from a menu design perspective. And so that's when I said, okay, I'm going to go to like really random places. So I went and like lived in Okinawa. I went and lived in Ikaria. So I'm like living in some of the most remote places of the world and learning like, how do they cook things there? And, and so that's why things are very true to their roots. So like we have a Sardinian grandmother's soup recipe that I learned from a Sardinian chef. And for example, one of the things that gives it that rich tomato flavor is it uses multiple sources of tomato. They're going to use sun-dried tomato. They're going to use tomato paste. They're going to use fresh tomato, right? So 
they always use all three kinds in any recipes. And that's what makes like a Sardinian meal like taste the way it does. And so mm -hmm. it's these nuances that like I can't learn from like a cookbook or on the internet um, that I have to like kind of go on the ground <laughs> and kind of figure out like what is it that makes this dish taste unlike any I've had before. And so I'm, I'm happy to hear that. That's that's the kind of attention to detail we strive for. Yeah. And you would know this, um, you know, statistically or like sort of objectively better than I would. But I, I'm not sure that I've ever heard of other companies who are kind of boots on the ground like that going out and finding like international inspiration behind their meals. Have you guys been a pioneer in that way, too? Yeah, we're the only ones doing this right now. And wow. for us, it's I mean, there are like multiple reasons for it. One I think for me, because I'm Vietnamese American, like a big reason why I had to start this business was because other healthy food delivery services didn't do Asian food well. Hmm. And so I would eat them and I felt deprived constantly because I missed authentic flavor profiles. So for us, I wanted to give people a global menu so that if you like love European food or you love Asian food, you eat it and it literally, it tastes authentic, right? Um, and so we go for more of a like, cozy homemade feel actually even though i say like fine dining quality it's fine dining with like the ingredients but we still recognize people are eating at home and so we want things to feel cozy and comforting and not like you know not like so you know like the really uh delicate fine dining where it's a, like a little bit fussy and weird it's we never want to be on like that side of the spectrum no, it was the, the instructions were very straightforward too. I personally loved the glass jar packaging. Um, I'm just a freak about reheating anything in plastic. So I'm always transferring things to glass dishes anyway. My kids know they're like, don't eat plastic. They're like those weird kids that are like, ah, you know, but anyway, um, I like that a, a good portion of the meals came in that tall glass jar. I could heat it up myself very quickly. I very often found myself grabbing them on the go for things like, you know, when the kids had activities at night and I fed them, but I was hungry or going to pick them up. Um, the convenience factor is huge. And so I really appreciated the packaging too, which I thought was really thoughtfully done. And I love the green bowls too, like the, the containers. Oh, I'm, I'm glad because we all, everything that you experienced with the glass jars um, and our bowls were all custom made because there is a reason why no other services use these things because they haven't found a way to do it like sustainably and affordably and in a reusable way. And it just took us years to figure that out. Um, yeah, and, it, it like, works. And I, I kept all the, I kept everything. What are the, what are the plastic or whatever they are, the green yeah. little oval shape? What are they made yeah, of? Yeah. Yeah, well, they are made of plastic, but they're like fully recyclable. Obviously, it's like BPA free, mm -hmm. all of that. Because um, from our research, basically, like with something light enough to ship that people mm -hmm. could like easily eat out of, uh, basically, your options these days are either wheat straw or plastic. Now, wheat straw, for those who don't know, it's made out of materials that would normally be waste. Um, mm. So that's what makes it sustainable, but it's still technically a kind of plastic, even though it's called wheat straw. So just know that when you're out there um, shopping, it's still plastic. But the problem with wheat straw is it's not recyclable, right? So it's reusable and it's made of waste materials, but it is not recyclable, right? So we, when we were like weighing options, we then landed on plastic that's fully recyclable um, and then also reusable because it turns out that reusing plastic is more sustainable than actually um, recyclable plastic. And even in a lot of more, more cases than compostable as well. But we also needed to use plastic because we need things that aren't going to like leak because people need to be mm -hmm. able to transport their food. A lot of our customers, like I said, they're throwing our meals in their bags and like bringing them to work. And 
with the bowls, we needed something because our customers kept asking us for something they could eat di salads directly out of. So the bowls are mostly meant for salads, like where you're not heating it, you're just actually eating it cold on the go. Um, mm -hmm. And then the jars we use for like when you're having dinner at home, it's usually like a soup or a stew. Um, and it's, 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 we know you're gonna be pouring it into a pan or a pot of some sort. Right, right. Just wanted to let you know, because I don't want this to be buried at the end, we do have a discount code for the product that we're talking about today, which is Methodology. They deliver prepared, whole, real food-based meals to your front door. And guys, they're amazing. You're going to hear all the details about the recipes and the inspiration behind the line. But just know that I tested this before interviewing the amazing founder, Julie Wen, and... I can vouch for its tastiness and amazingness. Their team was so kind to offer a 10% off discount code. If you use We Gotta Talk, you'll get 10% off on the first week if you are a new signup. So you have to use the link that's going to be in show notes. Make sure you check that out. And again, that's gomethodology.com with code We Gotta Talk. And I'll put the link in show notes as well for 10% off. I want to go back and get into your backstory a little bit, Julie. You mentioned um, being Vietnamese American and growing up with an appreciation for good food or well-prepared food or food with history and, you know, a, a great flavor profile to it. But there were also some health challenges that you experienced that sort of led you down this journey. Can you can you tell us back to little Julie days, um, what was going on and kind of what led you here? Yes. Uh, little Julie was raised by a single mom in Santa Ana, California. So there's like this pocket in Southern California called Little Saigon that actually has the highest number of Vietnamese people outside of Vietnam. Oh, and wow. so it's like this immigrant community and uh, yeah, raised by a single mom. And so she wanted us to fit in with American culture. So she only spoke English at home. So I speak no Vietnamese and she only wanted to feed us as kids American food. So she would take us to McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, Taco Bell, uh, so that we would she just thought, well, you know, when we go to school, we talk about what we're eating. These things are familiar. And she thought it was healthy, of course, because in Vietnam, you just eat food, you eat what's out there. There's no such thing as like processed food in her generation mm -hmm. that like she needed mm -hmm. to avoid. So, um, so I was raised on a like largely fast food diet. You know, obviously we were eating, of course, Vietnamese food as well mixed in with that. Um, but by the time I was in my like college years and 20s, I had a ton of health issues from this fast food diet. So I was about 30 pounds heavier than I am now. I had like acne all over my face, eczema all over my face and elbows. Um, I would, I would get panic attacks. I had to be on prescription strength, anti-anxiety medication for my exams. I had to carry an inhaler with me everywhere I went because I was getting asthma attacks constantly. Um, and then I would take allergy medicine almost every day because my just allergies. I just always had like allergies. And so I just had very low quality of life and a lot of prescription drugs I was on for all these things like spironolactone and just things that I was on meds I was on for years. And I just thought all these things were, I just thought they were all either genetic or environmental. It's like, oh, I have allergies because California in the springtime and there are all these plants and oh, asthma, asthma runs in my family. I guess I just have asthma my whole life. And so I never questioned anything when doctors would just write me prescriptions my whole life. And, you know, it wasn't until I was in my twenties when I did an elimination diet and worked with a naturopath that I realized, which was like shocking to me that once I cut out processed foods, refined sugar, gluten, and dairy, literally every health issue I had went away. Like every single one of them, you know, to where I'm like not on any, you know, I wasn't on any prescription drugs, even my asthma, like to, 
go your whole life, like basically short of breath, like often, right? And then like wow. getting asthma attacks regularly to like breathing normally and being able to like work out, nor like work out, right? And like be active. Um, it just totally changed my life. And like, I was just so shocked because I was like, no one taught this to me. I also had one of the best world-class educations in the world. I was educated at Stanford University, you know, had like an amazing job in like finance, working on Wall Street. And so it's like, I don't get it. Like I had one of the best educations. I'm surrounded by the smartest people in the world, but no one knows about this. No one told me like, what are you eating? Um, no doctor besides when I finally worked with the naturopath ever asked me once, like, what are you eating? Uh, they just wrote me prescription drugs. And so I was just frankly so outraged <laughs> that um, I ended up, just hiring a personal chef and because I, I was committed to continuing to eat this way because I didn't want to go back to being sick again. And the hours that I were working in um, banking and then in tech were insane. Uh, so I hired a personal chef to cook this way. Right. And then I emailed my friends and my friends at that point all knew I was very strict with my diet. Cause like I said, I didn't want to go back to being sick again. I knew what that felt like. And I was like, okay, who wants me to manage your food for you? I have this chef. It's going to be like unprocessed, delicious food because, you know, all the meal prep services that I tried were like gross, frankly, you know, they were yeah, they're usually meal. nasty. Yes, they're not. They're like protein cakes and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So and so my friends joined about 15 to 20 of them joined and then people kept asking to get added on. And I and I just enjoyed the experience so much that I eventually um, my co-founder and I, we just went full time and we just turned it into methodology. I mean, doesn't it feel like a little bit of a scam to you that, and I feel the same way about hormone health and women, that we can go our whole lives and no one explains things and says, oh, it's what you're putting in your body that has a huge impact. Like I've sat down with so many doctors before and never once has any appreciable amount of time been spent on, oh, well, let's do some allergy testing for food or what are you eating? Or beyond that, especially for women, let's measure your hormones. Like there are a lot of um, problems that women particularly experience, or like you said, our reaction to foods or the acne that can pop up as a result of things like it's just a band-aid prescription solution. And it's just really, it, it makes me really angry that we have to do all of the work ourselves. I mean, I'm grateful there are things like, you know, podcasts or like good information online that can sort of push us in that direction. But most of us have had that experience with something that you did, which is like blindly searching for answers. And it's hard for me like to not get a little twitchy when I hear that. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really unfortunate. It's like very few doctors are proactive in their approach to wellness, as opposed to just trying to yeah, give you the Band-Aid solution. And fortunately, there are more and more amazing doctors every day mm -hmm. coming out. You know, the brands like Parsley Health, uh, mm -hmm. Next Health, these are partners of methodology. Um, I, I can't wait till like the future of medicine is more about, okay, we're going to test you for everything, as you mentioned, yep. and like actually see what's happening with your body. And then let's, and let's try to figure out what the root cause of all your health issues are. Yeah. My husband laughs. He's like another voluntary test. I'm like, dude, it's not voluntary. It's like necessary. And if I'm not able to know what's going on with my body, I, pro I, I can't treat it properly. And I, it, it is kind of fringe still. And it's a little kind of you know, woo woo to some people, but to me, like hearing your story and knowing that you saw success when you treated your specific issues. I mean, that's hopeful. So tell me more about your co-founder then was, was he or she in the food space to begin with, or how did you find the perfect partner for this venture? So his name is Stefan and we met through a mutual friend 
because we were all in the same RV to go to Burning Man one year. And so that's how we ended up getting along really well. Because once that's you go awesome. to Burning Man with someone, you're basically like bonded for life, especially if you're in the same RV. I've never been there, but I mean, I hear stories. So, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and um, so when I wanted to do something with food, I had made a short list of friends who I thought might be interested in doing this project with me. And he was one of them because I knew he had traveled around the world, staging in kitchens and had tremendous food knowledge and passion. And also he is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. So at age 13, he actually had to run away from home because he had like an abusive father and so he was supporting himself since age 13. And the only people who would pay him like cash under the table at that point were food businesses. And we're not talking about fancy restaurants. We're talking about like hot dog right. stands and things like that. And so he has, and that's why he's such an old soul. Everyone always thinks he's older than I am because he's so much more mature when you meet him, but he's younger than I am. And so he's been working in the food industry since he was 13, right? So he started out in things like hot dog stands and then worked his way up to like the fish market and then eventually worked his way up to running front of house at Michael Mina. And so he was doing the food industry because he was passionate about it, but he also just taught himself how to trade and worked at prop trading desks at like Merrill Lynch. And so he basically became financially independent from a very young age from being such a savvy investor, but would continue to work in fine dining on the weekends, passing the sommelier exams, just because he was so passionate about food and wine. And so he is, he runs the whole like food and supply chain side of the operation. So we partner together on menu design where I might come up with like an overall like general idea for like a product, but he's the one who's going to go in and add like all the fine dining attention to details as far as ingredients, the exact way things should be cooked. So like if you hear him on calls, it's crazy. Like he'll be on call with our chefs where he'll be explaining to them how something should be cooked. Like that's how much food knowledge he has because, you know, he's cooked for so long in so many amazing kitchens um, to the point where, you know, there were times when, when we were small and emergencies would happen. And like, for some reason, all the head chefs are out where like he can jump in the kitchen and fill in the role of like any chef at any level of our kitchen any day from executive chef down to like a line chef or a prep cook. Like he has that skill set where he can run the kitchen if he needs to. And so he is like the food supply chain side of the business and is just, yeah, he's just an amazing genius, uh, food genius who it's, we work, I mean, ugh, we work so well together. I'm, I'm so blessed to have a co-founder where, I don't know, it feels weird saying this, but in all our years of running this business, it's been over eight years, we've just continued to like build respect for each other and um, know how to get onto the same page. I think it's just because our skill set is really different and there's deep respect there. So I hope someday I can have like a marriage that's half as good as this relationship. You I guys sound out. like soulmates, Julie. We are, we're, yeah, we're business soulmates. Like I've never had a boyfriend I get along with even 10% as well, who I get as I get along with Stefan. So I'm kind of, I know what the bar is for when I get married because I know what a very healthy long-term relationship with shared vision looks like. And like, I have that in my co-founder. I haven't had that yet in my personal life, but- you know, I, Julie, I kind of know what like, the feeling. This is a rom-com in the making. I'm praying for your happy ending here. I'm like <laughs> scripting out the whole movie as we speak. I mean, seriously, can you imagine like the exotic locales that you travel to these feeding you food? Okay, I'm like going to get out of it. But <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but seriously, like you are, I, you're kind of living the dream. You have a business that's born out of a real need that you experienced and that many people experienced. And, you know, you're doing it in a way with integrity and a way with like really great 
you know, healthy ingredients, you have a partner that you really like to work with. Uh, how does, where does it go from here? Like from the business standpoint, I know that you guys are continuing to grow. And of course, seeing like all the coverage out there of um, people reviewing the, the meal and the meal plans and like, you know, the resets and kind of leaving largely, almost entirely positive feedback. Where do you go from here? That's such a good question. It's like, I almost, I'm almost already, I'm already amazed at where we've gone to today. Cause I feel like every day I open my email and there's like some A-list celebrity who's written in saying they, they like love us. And it's, and it's Can just you tell like, us who? I, well, I can't unless they say things publicly, oh. unfortunately, but okay. they're like, it's, I mean, we have like N NBA players, owners of NBA teams, like, you know, A-list, trust me, like, but <sighs> these these are the people who like, they just, you know, they use it privately because they pay, right? And so then they mm -hmm. never, they never mention us on it, but it's fine. I, I appreciate their financial support because <laughs> it's like, it's funny because they pay us for the product. Usually we yeah, have to pay sure. people to talk about us. So I'm grateful for sure. that. Um, and it's just, so I'm just kind of absorbing that because it just, it took eight years to get to the point where we are at the quality level where this caliber of person who can eat from anywhere loves us. And so, yeah, where do we go from here? Um, I think looking out at the vision over the next few years, there are a lot of things that we still haven't accomplished for our missions. Our mission is healing bodies and minds using food as medicine. And we want to begin to include like more types of people. So like right now we're very targeted towards um, adults, right? So hint, hint, there may be a new product coming next year that expands on our product offering a little bit. <laughs> I like the sound of that. My three kids and I like the sound of that. Yeah, it is really a challenge too. And, and I'm glad you like kind of just referenced sort of the age category thing, because it's one thing for us to be aware of what we're putting into our bodies. But when and my kids are 10, eight and six now, I have a boy and two girls and we're just getting into the territory where I'm sort of explaining to them the reasons behind why I'm like trying to feed them what I'm feeding them. And I would give anything for like a, a great, reliable, easy meal that I could just heat up and give to them. Because right now it involves, which is fine. And, you know, this is what everyone does. Like, you know, I'm, I'm picking like one fruit every night, one vegetable and one protein. I'm like mixing and matching. And it's really hard, Julie, to like keep kids eating healthy these days. Like it is one pet peeve of mine that every activity we go to, they're fed uh, a lollipop or a piece of chocolate or, and I'm like, can we just not like, because it's just, and they come home yeah. and they're bouncing off the walls for the sugar. It is really hard to feed kids well. So I will just leave that there. And I'm doing my best, you know, to, yeah. to kind of raise them to appreciate healthy food, but it's hard. Oh my God. I really have a lot of compassion for moms like and 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 the reason why I want to like expand our offerings is cuz when I'm in the states I live in Austin with my sister and her two kids they're you know in that age range 7 and 10 and mm -hmm. yeah and so I I like when I was trying to convince my nephew to like eat mackerel it was hard at first but the second I told him it's really good for brain health and he's like so competitive in school he was like you know now he eats it he asks his mom for mackerel every week now it's the cutest thing ever and so I just felt so inspired after that I was like okay I think that there is something that we can do in this space because um, I, I do want to make it easier for moms. And I do I, I, I do think that children, because I feel it myself, like my palate is what it is. I can feel it today because of what my mom ate from the moment she was pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. Right. To like everything I fed as a kid, like I love bananas. I don't like sweets, like everything I like love and dislike naturally 
is like exactly aligned with like what my mom was eating in those early years. Right. So it's wild. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I do, I do think that like palates, you know, it's not that we can't change our taste later, but mm-hmm. um, you know, like I never crave sweets because we never had cookies or candy in the house ever, ever. And, and because mm-hmm. no one in the house liked them. And that's why even now I never like, you know, it's very easy for me to pass on dessert. So um, yeah. So I, yeah, I would love to do things to make it easier for parents to help their children eat healthy at home, out and about, just mm-hmm. in general, so that kids can learn about food. Like just to make health eating fun and easy for kids and families, that, that would be amazing. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, when I, I give up sweets for Lent every um, every year, we're Catholic. And when you break that cycle of sweets after every meal, like you can retrain your body to not crave those things. And you can begin to crave like really healthy things. Like your body really does readjust. So when you give it that high quality fuel, like it sounds so corny, but like when you give it high quality food, that's what it wants more of because it's performing better with it. So it's just, it's just hard to kind of cut that cycle sometimes. So. Yeah. I think that's completely right. And like, I think our, our reset does that because it's, because it yes. cuts out all the refined sugar and then you're getting so many vegetables. Like people will say by the end, by day three or four, they don't, they don't feel their cravings for sweets anymore. My husband was trying to steal my meals and I was like, nope, this is all mine. <laughs> I did give him a couple by the end of it, but it was so good. Um, I wanted to ask about Dr. Will Bolshewitz. He's the chief medical officer of methodology. I understand you guys work together and his specialty is in gut health. Can you talk a little bit about how his work and his research informs what you guys end up plating and selling? Yes, we were so excited to bring him onto the team because I read his book, Fiber Fueled, years ago. And I read every nutrition book because it's just part of my job. And that was the first book where I thought that gut health was explained in a very clear way for the first time to where like everything really clicked for me. And to me, like when I understand something really well and I, if I feel like I could read that to a 10 year old, that means this person really knows their stuff. Right. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, this gastroenterologist is not only an amazing teacher, he really understands gut health at a level that's beyond a lot of the other celebrity doctors out there today who are more generalists because they're just not gastroenterologists, frankly. Right. So mm-hmm. I reached out to him thinking, well, he, he's not going to email me back, but at least he'll know I'm like a big fan. And we just cultivated, he responded and we cultivated a relationship since then. And I sent him food and our, you know, our relationship, we grew closer over the years as we just saw each other's businesses evolve and grow. And we just started to trust each other. And so mm-hmm. um, eventually I asked him if he wanted to be a part of our team because it just really helped shape the way thousands of Americans are eating uh, in, in a different way than that he was currently doing. Right. Um, and he was really excited about that. So he is here, you know, his, a big part of his role um, as he starts to like get ramped up is to just help connect the dots between how we design our menus and how they improve gut health and just explain, frankly, the, explaining that part to people. Right. Because um, that's the part, that I think is just getting lost on people today. And so I'm excited for him to like start creating that content uh, in, in our, on our social media channels and just explain, because why is it that when you eat methodology and you're getting one to 200 different types of plants a week, like why, what exactly is happening in the body when those plants are getting broken down and he can walk you through step-by-step, you know, why does that improve your mood? You know, why does that improve your skin? And so Uh, We're going to do a video series like that. And then we're also going to launch a course together. 
So there's going to be a version of the reset where you get the food and you get an online video course where you're getting videos from mostly Dr. B. I'll pop a few of mine in there where people can understand just things about the product specifically, like our sourcing and things like that. Um, but we're going to launch like a gut health course uh, where you're going to eat gut healthy, friendly, gut health friendly food, but you're also going to learn about what you're eating uh, in videos. In, in, in we're going to cover like all the hot topics that I think people don't go deep enough into today. And mm -hmm. so um, that I'm very excited about because I just feel like you're always getting one or the other day. You're either getting like a meal prep program like us, or you're getting the education. And we want to be the first that's going to like connect the dots for that. You know, put these I two together that. in a, like yes, an immersive way for everyone. What a brilliant marketing move. I mean, I can't think of any other company offhand that, I mean, a lot of times companies do sort of combine education, but not so like directly into the product itself. And, and speaking of education, I, I want to mention this too. When I got my five-day reset, not only did I get the meals, but I got a, you know, the, the printout with the description of everything, the eat by date. So I knew what order to go in as far as what would, what was freshest and what I had to sort of eat first. I really appreciated as a consumer having like the walk through process because it's a lot, you know, you get this and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like 10 containers here and where do I start? So was it a priority for you to make education a big part of the five day reset and with the meals in general? Yeah, I think one of the reasons why our product is even called methodology, because I remember in the early days, there were a lot of names being tossed around and a lot were more foodie, but to us, um, education was always something we wanted to layer in because I had actually started a business before this that was nutrition education only. Um, it was called the body test, something that never took off, but like people who went through it learned a ton. And then what happened was when I would check in on these customers later, like one year later, they're like, okay, I know how to eat right now. But then they've fallen off the bandwagon because of how hard it was to eat the way you're supposed to on a regular basis. And that would make, that's what made me step back and realize like, oh, if I actually want to solve this for busy professionals, I have to make the food for them, not just teach them. So then I started methodology to make the food. And so now that the food is in a good place, I'm finally coming full circle and finally layering back in the education that was like my passion to begin with. And so it's just going to be very exciting for me when this all comes. It will have been, you know, almost a decade long journey to pull together all the pieces in like a very nice way. I love that. How, how do you feel knowing that you were able to sort of take your life experience and like make a business out of it? I don't want to put it so crudely, like monetizing your pain or suffering. I mean, but ultimately you did fall into do it, making money from something that you feel passionately about. And you also have personal experience with, if we're sort of speaking to the business side of things and, and entrepreneurs who are maybe creating something for what they perceive to be a void in the market, like what, what advice do you have? Because it, I know this from starting something, the work, it can feel like a lot of work and you probably felt sort of disincentivized at one point or sort of downtrodden. So like walk us through some inspiration and like what kept you going? That's a great question. I mean, when I think about the early years, like the first two and a half years of running the business, uh, I was in the warehouse pretty much every day. Like the first nine months I was there every day commuting from San Francisco, like to Concord and warehouses are also just also not glamorous environments. They were long days. <laughs> and and then and then, you know, it's just it was just a work environment like I wasn't used to, right? So and it took years before we became profitable, before we really figured out the right product, the right audience, how to talk to them. And so until then, it literally felt like I had a gun pointed to my head because the bank account was going, you know, I didn't take salary, neither did my co-founder for like a year. So like my personal like net worth went like this. 
right? The the business bank account was going like this for years, right? Because you build a model, you're like, okay, I'm going to be at break even in one year, one and a half years max, right? It took us two and a half years to get to break even, right? So just to live for that and work for that, like long of a period under that level of stress, like really pushed me, you know, beyond anything I had ever experienced before. And I had worked in high pressure environments, like on Wall Street, right? So yeah, getting yelled at by your managing director at JP Morgan was, was like nothing compared to this, right? So compared um, to the slow death of your bank account, like yeah. you launch a business and you're like, oh, expense, 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 expense. Like, where is the profit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and so like, I, and thank God I had a, uh, a mentor uh, who was my, he was my boss at my tech company and also the first investor in methodology who, you know, he's the person that I would call every time I was crying and felt like I was in over my head and felt like, should I quit? I don't think that I'm smart enough to figure this out. I, I don't think I'm, I don't, I, maybe I should step, the number of times I've called him over the years and said, I should step down because I can't, I can't figure out like how to like push past this like plateau we're at now. Right. And, and he would, you know, he and my co-founder always had my back. Um, so they always believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. So I think that's like so important, that support system, because I was not emotionally, mentally strong enough where if I had done it on my own and if I didn't have them, like I would have quit for sure. Right. I would have 100% quit by years one and two. Right. Um, and so at the multiple points when like I couldn't do it, I had like a team uh, people who believed on me to to lean on and believe in me. And um, so then I would, you know, so I just kept going and and so that's like the one thing I was thinking today, like I, if I have something on my tombstone, I just wanted to say, just keep going because like in every area of my life where I've finally gotten beyond what I had initially dreamed of, like the lesson to me was it just takes way longer than you think it will. <laughs> Oh my gosh, don't say that. I mean, I'm, I'm, my co-founder and I just launched a venture like late last year and I was like, oh, you know, we're like the hard part is done. And now I'm like, oh, the hard work has just begun. I mean, it's wild. Yeah, no, that's right. My my mentor sat down with me in like just the first few months of the business and he had warned me because at that point, yeah, I think he was eight or nine years into running his business. And he said to me, he's like, I just want you to know that as hard as you think it is now, it gets harder every year. And he's right. Like, like running my business, for example, during the pandemic, like when the mm. pandemic hit was harder than the bank account phase, like right. this where we had like no money and we were doing everything ourselves. Like, so it's just like every kind of challenge, you know, it basically like stretches your um, threshold for stress <laughs> and problem solving. So, so and yeah, it does get harder, but you get better. In. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. And I love realizing that you can tap into that, but how do you realize, okay, like I need to stick with this. Cause I think some entrepreneurs, you know, creating that product or service will be like, well, maybe it's just a sign that it's not needed because it's not taking off. Cause you hear these crazy unicorn stories, these random companies that just pop right away. Like, how do you know it's worth hanging in? I think that for me, there were like multiple things. Like one, I had to at some point, because I was the person who would always call my co-founder and mentor and compare our business to competitors. And they said, mm -hmm. stop comparing yeah. our journey to others. Like methodology is like a totally different business. We started it for completely different reasons. So one, I stopped doing that and that helped immensely, right? right. Um, and then the second thing was I started to think about, okay, well, like, let's say I like wound down the business now what would I want to do? And when I looked at like things that I would be excited to do if I wound on the business, they were not nearly as like, you know, when I thought about like, how do I feel in my heart exciting to be as like continuing to grind on methodology? Like I was like, okay, as much as the work is not enjoyable right now, um, I still like, to me, I would still rather be 
working on a business that feels at the moment like it's going nowhere than like going to go run marketing at some hot mm-hmm. tech startup or going back into finance. So um, I kind of like played out the worst case scenario in my head and then realized like, like, no, that actually feels worse. <laughs> like I would rather right. continue to make like no money and work 10 to 12 hour days and, and you know, and just keep going and, and trust that like some, you know, I will eventually figure it out. But you know, I, I know that there are people who may like not be on the right path, but, but one difference is like, I really am passionate about what I do. So that is the reason why it was easy for me to like, not easy, but why I was able to make that choice of like, I'm, I'm making a fraction of what I would be making if I had stayed in tech or finance, I'm working longer hours. Like, is this worth it? But, um, but I love the work. Like I love the yep. product. I love our customers and, and thank God I stuck through it because right now, as you point out, like it has become my dream job and, and it's no accident. Stefan and I are kind of, we're, we do one thing that's unique in how we run the business is that we step back and every year or two, we each share with each other, all of our life goals. Like I want to own a house. I want to be married or whatever it is. Like I want to travel to these places. I want to make this amount of money. And then we like step back and we say, how do we run the business so that you can have, we each can have everything we want. And then oh, we I run the business that. towards that. So we put ourselves first ahead of, does that make sense? Cause yeah, I, it never would have occurred to me as like a business owner too to to take inventory of the individual goals because then you know you don't you, you lessen the risk of one person or both people who started it or how many ever feeling like their goals aren't being worked toward. Exactly, and we learned the hard way from the first few years of running the business that being mules to our business was not sustainable, and so when we changed the way we ran it so that the business is going to support us to continue to be as happy and healthy and financially mm-hmm. healthy and all of that as we needed. That is another thing that gave us the endurance to be able to keep going through the hard times because we always protected ourselves first. And I know this is something different because people, founders love telling these glory stories of, and then I took no income when the downturn <laughs> happened and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I know myself, if I, you know, if I in like year six, all of a sudden took no salary, I'll be so mm-hmm. stressed out. I would not be thinking clearly. I would not mm-hmm. be running the business well. So I have, you know, I've always said, okay, do whatever you need to do to be extremely healthy as a founder yep. so that you're getting enough sleep, enough, you're making enough money to not worry about it, et cetera. And then you will be able to lead your business properly. And so we've just always done that. And ever since we did that, starting around year two or three, I think that's why we can continue to go, you know, I can go forever. I think we both right. feel like that because the business supports our personal goals. That's awesome. So where to next? Uh, you're in Saint-Tropez now and you're finding and getting inspiration from all the restaurants and sort of food people over there. Tell me where you're headed next. Uh, I am going to the Monaco Grand Prix <laughs> just for fun next weekend because I'm a huge Formula One fan. Are you? Oh, my God. No, but I'm a Monaco oh, fan. So, <laughs> I mean, that sounds amazing. No, actually, that's funny you say that. My husband was just like, oh, I would love to go to like a Formula One race. So it's like his bucket list kind of thing. So I might see you there one day. <laughs> yes. Formula One is a must. Once you watch Drive to Survive, you'll become a Formula One fan. And then the funny thing is after that, I'm actually going to a wedding in Algarve where I'll meet, meet Stefan. It's the wedding of the friend who introduced Stefan and me to each other years ago. And so it will be fun That's to wild. be there at his wedding. And we, Stefan and I planned like very special surprise for him. Um, it'll just, uh, it'll just be cool to like be with my co-founder celebrating the person who introduced us, which totally changed the course of both of our lives. So I'm very excited about doing that in Portugal. 
That is so fun. So wait, I, I have to ask you this before we let you go too. Are there any like restaurants or kind of little hole in the wall cafes or places to eat that you recommend that sort of, I know we didn't talk about this beforehand. So if you can't just pop them out quickly, that's no problem. But you know, for any of us who are traveling to the areas you've been to, you said Sardinia, you said multiple places in France, like give us some places that are kind of off the beaten path that we can get some really great food. Oh my God. So yeah, I definitely recommend, I think that most people, when I think about the places that I've been that are off the beaten path, I think the one that's the most um, consumer like friendly for the general foodie is going to be Sardinia because like, I think just everyone just loves Italian food and the, the food there is so diverse. And so you can go to these uh, bread at bed and breakfast there. Like um, I'm going to, I don't, I can't even remember their names. It's like, um, Mario, you're going to, you're, maybe you can help me, Cecere. I, I always mispronounce it and then an Italian always corrects me. Wait, so spell a, it real a, quick. I'll see if oh, my Italian Mario, Mario C-E-S-A-R-E. So it's Cesare. a bed and breakfast. Yeah, Cesare. Okay. <laughs> so there's this bed and breakfast in Sardinia that's kind of like you have to leave the luxury tourist area and rent a car and drive to it. It only sleeps one. So you're basically running the whole house. Mario Cecere was an artist, right? And so he was such a loner that when he died, he left this house to the only person he talked to, which was the postman of the area. The postman of the area owned that house and then sold it to the owner. The house is miniature because Mario was tiny. He was probably like not even five feet tall. So you stay in this miniature house with his art everywhere. And then the owner of it comes in the morning and outside makes you a made from scratch Sardinian breakfast with like eggs from her own chickens, like tomatoes from her own farm. And it's like a 10 course breakfast. And it's like super affordable and it's just like the cutest little experience. It's like, and the way, and, and, and the way it's luxurious is not luxury in the way we think of it in America, where you're like spending mm -hmm. so much money. It's luxurious in that you are going to feel so connected to her and to Sardinian culture and the love that she put into the experience. And, and to me, it's like, it's so worth it to go to the Mediterranean and stay at her place. And her brother owns another bed and breakfast walking distance. That's like equally gorgeous with homemade food. And cause these two are just so passionate about like introducing people to Sardinian food and culture. And it's just like a must experience in your life. Oh my God. That reminds me. We did a trip to Italy last year. It was my, my first time going there. So my husband and I, we only had a week, so we had to like squeeze a couple things in, but part of the trip was in Positano and we did a day at a farm and we picked our own vegetables and got our own eggs and we brought it right upstairs and like prepared it with this literal Italian family that owns this overlooking. Uh, Julia was it, one of the top three days of my life. And it was for the reason you said, it wasn't because we spent some inordinate amount of money doing it, but the, the, the experience, like the sensory experience, the smells and the tastes and the, the feel of pulling our vegetables from the earth. Like it was insanely, insanely fun. And, and I think you really hit on something with your product too, where people, people can taste when there's, my mom always says this, you can taste love when people cook, like an Italian, you can taste that it was made with love or with care. And I, I think you guys, maybe it's all the inspiration from these small places you visited and working with chefs that know that, but you can taste when a food is made with that care and that love. And I, I, I feel like you guys have nailed that really. Oh, that's the best possible compliment. Thank you. Yeah, it's so exciting. I'm 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 really really glad you took time to walk us through the business side of things and where you guys are headed. I will be keeping my eye on any future offerings you have for any other members of my family. So oh, we'll yeah, just leave we that will. There. <laughs> yeah, once that, and, once uh, that's ready, we'll be reaching out to you. So yes. look out for that.
Oh my goodness. And, and yeah, is there any other, anything we missed or anything you want to tell people to sort of keep an eye out for, whether it be on your social channels, how you are working on the partnership with your, um, with your doctor on the team, what should we look out for from methodology, methodology next? Yeah. Yeah, Just follow us on Instagram, go methodology, because in July, roughly the summer, we're going to be launching more versions of the reset just to be able to accommodate more types of diets. And then we're also going to be having a version that does include breakfast. We're actually pretty famous for our breakfast. Um, We just needed to constrain the launch because we wanted to make sure it was as simple of a product as possible to like work out the kinks with nationwide shipping. And so, you know, our breakfast, because we have just the most beautiful parfait jars that are layered, Mm -hmm. right? And then we have like amazing like baked goods uh that are made like with really wholesome ingredients so uh, i'm very excited for everyone across the country to be able to taste our breakfast for the first time and and that launch is going to happen this summer awesome and and i should have mentioned this already but you do also cater to vegan diets and you can kind of customize your experience on the website right yeah, that's exactly right. So there's a vegan version of pretty much every meal and and it's healthy vegan, not vegan junk food. So we don't we never use any vegan fake processed food or fake meats. Uh, mm-hmm. So we get the protein into our vegan meals. They're also very high protein. We aim to get like at least 25 grams of protein in the standard size um, from just whole food sources like legumes. Uh, so um, I'm like very proud of that because for people who are trying to eat plant-based, I know a lot of them... Um, like struggle with finding like wholesome plant-based food because there are just like a lot of processed food versions out there today. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why Dr. Bolshevich was excited to join us because he's, like, he doesn't really like those kinds of um, products as much. So, uh, so yes, there is like a vegan whole foods version of our meals. Awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I'm so grateful that you were able to give us a few minutes and I know you're super busy. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, thank you for watching and or listening to this episode. I'm telling you, I'm a hard sell, like I said, on anything that has to do with food. But if you're looking to introduce something new to your diet or you want to just maybe a break from cooking for a week or two, I I cannot recommend um, these meals highly enough. Go to their website. Their team was so kind to offer a 10% off discount code. If you use We Gotta Talk, you'll get 10% off on the first week if you are a new signup. So you have to use the link that's going to be in show notes. Make sure you check that out. And again, that's gomethodology.com with code we gotta talk. And I'll put the link in show notes as well for 10% off. Make sure that you um, you know, spend a little time checking out their socials and and you'll find, I promise, tons of food inspiration and um, would love the products too when you try them. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. Hey.